There's Christine Sita. Seda. Not to be confused with Beta. Right? Did you know that Black Lives Matter was an organization that was founded by a bunch of fat black lesbians who hate God, who hate the family, order of the family, who hate the unborn child? And they admitted, at least one of them, that they are a Marxist group and they've been trained to do what they're doing. Did you know it was founded by some fat black lesbians? <laughs> wow. So, okay. So, first of all, did you um, know that? Um, what, what we're not going to do is insult folks, right? Um, so, well, they claim to be lesbians and they're fat and they're black. Well, I didn't do it. Well, well, I didn't well, do it. So, 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 but did you know they were founded by them? I personally know them, right? So, 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 so we're, we're, we're just we're going to stop that part. And you knew that before okay. they joined. What made you join knowing that cause normally men don't follow women like that? What made you do it? Did you know that black? Rumar, are you the head of your wife? I like to think that we're equal. Are you the head? Beta. I am. I am a. I, I, no, no, no. I'm an alpha. Uh-uh. Not if you think you and your wife are equal. Beta. Oh, because i tell you why. Beta. Rumar, are you the head of your wife? I like to think that we're equal. Are you the head? Beta. I am. I am a. I, I, no, no, no. I'm an alpha. Uh-uh. Not if you think you and your wife are equal. Beta. Beta. That's right. Not to be confused with Seda. Okay? Don't confuse those two. They're not the same. And don't ever confuse Fabian with Fabio. All right? Fabian looks nothing like Fabio. Okay? Don't ever forget that. Looks nothing like Fabio. He's way uglier than Fabio. Way uglier. Don't. And he doesn't have long. He doesn't have long blonde flowing hair either. And he doesn't have. And he doesn't have big huge muscles either. Like Fabio. Nor does he have. Nor does he have a really good accent like Fabio. He's probably got a Pennsylvania Dutch accent or something weird like that. That's probably what he has. Anyway. Yeah, I remember, Fabian. I remember you making fun of me over my trumpet, over my, my shofar. I haven't forgotten that yet. So I was just lying in wait to when I could when I could get my revenge on on you for making fun of me. Okay, whatever you do, don't forget. It's right here. Right here, hold on. Gotta refresh. What I really need to do is take biblical advice from a dude dressed like a hot dog. I'm gonna put this on a video, the gospel according to Oscar Mayer
rich in complete meat protein, mildly seasoned to bring out all the good meat flavor. Everyone would be in love with me. Next week, you handle just the refreshments, Freddy. Because if I were an ice cream eater, there would soon be nothing left of me. Oh, that's the best, man. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> All I know is if you're ever going to come and rebuke me for my Bible doctrine, whatever you do, don't come in an outfit dressed like an Oscar Mayer wiener. All right? Don't do that. That's not going to that's not going to go well for you, okay? It will definitely go bad for you if you're dressed like an Oscar Mayer wiener and you come to try to rebuke me. It won't go well. All right? Anyway, that was great. That was great. Now! Oh, I got it. Hold on. Hang on a second. Give me just a minute here. After these messages. Let's see. There, let me see. Hold on. There, there. All righty, here we go. Okay, everybody. Now, I have some. Kind of exciting news here about uh, about our project that we're working on here. Not the Oscar Mayer Wiener one, of course not. Okay. Please pray for. Um, I think it's her uh, Cindy Cindy Nelson's stepfather. I think it is. Uh who had a stroke. Okay? And uh please be in prayer for him. All right. This here is the Coliseum. And what an amazing place, huh? But As you know, I toured uh, the Coliseum with Carlos Montoya, Espinoza, and Mary, not our mother of Guadalupe. Okay, not that Mary, right? Wasn't the Lady of Guadalupe, okay? It wasn't that, wasn't that Mary. It was not Mary Tyler Moore. Okay. It wasn't Mary Tyler Moore. Okay. It was 
Mary Teresa. Who who knows what her real name is? She's hanging around Carlos Montoya. So we have we don't even know what we don't even know what Mary's real name is. Okay, we don't know who the look. I toured her out with these people for a week and a half. I don't even know who they are, man. I'm gonna check them out in Canada again to make sure they're not working for the FBI trying to nail me. That's all. That's what I'm gonna do. Make sure they're not working for the CIA or or working for the Pope. Right? We'll see. Okay. So anyway, I I I don't know what her real name is. But I know I know she's Mary. That's that's what I do know. And I know she laughed so incredibly hard that she cried at least 150 times in laughter when when we were there. Especially when I did my Irish accent, I'll never forget Mary's face. <laughs> I will never forget Mary's face. <laughs> when I did that Irish accent. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> You had to see her face. She was laughing so hard. She was all, I think she was crying. She was laughing so hard. Anyway. Oh, man, that was funny. Carl, wasn't that funny? <laughs> oh, that right. <laughs> I was over at Andrew's house the other day. And we were watching, we were watching the videos of all of us with Harry in the car driving down the road with, with Hari. Oh, I'm going to tell you what, man. I laughed so hard. My back hurt. I had to hold my, I had to hold my back in Andrew's, in Andrew's living room. I had to hold my back just to like, not to laugh so hard. Definitely. It was it was funny. Anyway, so we'll have to play those videos sometime of Hari. In the car with Hari. In the car with Hari. But, but, let me get back to it here. The Colosseum. I put together an outline of what I want to cover on the Colosseum. And it was not exactly what I thought. You know, here I was I was thinking about the martyrs and thinking about some of this. But I what I'm gonna do by the grace of God, Brother Andrew and I, what we're gonna do is we are gonna take the history and we're gonna take the the present day, we're gonna bring it all together. We we're gonna bring it together. Okay. So we are going to Deal with some things. Okay, now check this out. 
Who remembers my sermon years ago on the history of sports idolatry? Look, Fabian, I just want you to understand I have an opportunity to drive back through Pennsylvania. Don't make me come there, Fabian, and deal with you. Can you guys hear that heat? Can- oh, no, you just knew I was getting hot. That's why. Okay. Anyway. Who remembers the history of sports idolatry? Well, remember how absolutely horrible that recording was? Let me show you how absolutely horrible that recording is. Okay, watch this. So see, if you care about people and you love them, then you're feminine. Something to think about, isn't it? Good questions. Well, what is this? What is this bread and circus term? You're gonna have to bear with me. It's gonna take me a little while to set up this history. So this part won't be as interesting as the last part, but I promise you, I will pound it out the last part and it'll be hard and, and you'll get it. But I gotta give you a background. I want you to understand this is not a new thing. Okay, so if you look at this, it's like, it's so bad. Look at the recording. It just looks like it's bad. The audio was horrible, which is okay. It's going to sound kind of nostalgic. Okay. In this, all those years ago, in this, all those years ago, I was talking about the Coliseum. Right? But now, the Lord showed me this week. You're going to use this and bring it all together. You're going to bring it all together. Okay? So now... What's good? No, it's horrible. So now what we're going to do is we are going to have the origin. I'm going to give you an outline of what we're going to do, okay? We're going to have the origin of the Colosseum, the destruction of the temple in Jerusalem, which is a major part of that. You know what? I'm not going to give you. I'm going to leave some of it for a surprise. But we're going to talk about the massive uh, construction of the Colosseum. We're going to talk about the entertainment that was in there. We're going to give riveting stories of the Colosseum. Then we're going to have a section on the martyrs. Then we're going to talk about modern day sports entertainment, whether it's UFC, WWE, football. The bloodlust, the violence, everything else like that. We are going to bring, we're going to pull that in with it. 
talk about the Christian martyrs who were actually the martyrs who were actually the heroes of the Colosseum. We are going to bring that all together with footage, with extra uh, outside footage of everything. And I'm going to basically be narrating over the footage that we have there, putting it all together. So you're going to understand like the history of it, how everything happened. How prophecy ties into it. Just all kinds of different things. It's going to be a good documentary. So you pray that we're able to do it, okay? Pray that God would bless us, give us the time. We just shot a video at Andrew's house, which we'll be uploading. Yep, I've got, we're going to use the footage from the Coliseum, all of that. You upload all that stuff, Carl, if you have extra stuff to that Google Drive. Upload all those things to Google Drive. So we are going to pull all of that together and it's going to be, it's going to be a rebuke to those that are to the sports, crazy pastors. All of those things. So you pray for us as we, it's exciting. The outline is good. It's going to, it's going to be it's going to be a good, well-done documentary. Our first real documentary. So I'm looking forward to it. Okay. So and one of many. Because I want to do one on the Coliseum. By the way, it'll premiere. We'll premiere it on YouTube. We'll premiere it on uh It'll be on Sermon Audio. It'll be on all the, it'll be available for people if they need it on, on uh, DVD or if they need it on, um, you know, most stuff is digital download, but anyway, we'll figure out how to get it around to whoever it needs to get around to, but we're going to do that documentary on the Coliseum. It's going to be intense. It's going to have intense scenes. It's going to have a lot. It's going to be, it'll be good. It'll be good. Amen. So you pray for us about that. It'll be good. So after that, the next one I want to do, I'm either going to do the Vatican or, or a Baptist bio, a documentary, a Baptist biography on John Bunyan. So uh, we'll do Bunyan. I want to do the Vatican. I'm going to do New Grange. The Valleys of Piedmont. The Cave Church. Oh, yeah. Lots of good stuff.
So, you pray for us as we press on. Yeah, we do have a ton from Bedford. So, that's part of what you, when you all donated for us to, to go to Europe and all those things, that's what this is about, part of it. There's more. But, There's more coming. I just want, I want to release this one. I want to be as productive as I can and take my time, take our time and do it right. Okay. But we want to release that so you can see it. And you know, you see what the work is, what we're doing. And, um, after that, we'll, We'll set our sights on Canada. Baptist history there. And um, we actually are going to visit a town uh, that a man, uh, uh, hymn writer Jeremiah Scriven was a pastor to over there in Canada as well. And he wrote, uh, What a Friend We Have in Jesus. And we are going to be right there touring that. And I want to do a documentary on that too. So. You pray for us about that. In the future. Exciting stuff ahead so lots of good stuff ahead you keep praying for us okay about everything uh boy i don't know what the deal is today with with rumble though we don't have too many people on there today but it happens but we have 14 over there live on 17 total but 14 live over there it's funny we got like 45 people on here live between the two i don't know what's on twitter i can never figure twitter out it's just on there so I do want to get some clips, though, over on TikTok. I'm not going to view them. I'm not going to watch it. I just want to see if stuff goes viral over there. Little clips that will make little... uh, It'll get the gospel out. It'll get the truth out. And it'll make little TikTokers mad. Little feminist TikTokers mad. Okay. All righty, here we go. Let's get into what we are going to talk about today. We are going to talk about the history of fake healers. Okay, I'm going to show you some modern day dudes. Okay. We've looked at some of these before, but
Okay, now, I want to show you some of these modern-day dudes. Then we're going to get into the history of them. Okay? Oh, yeah, uh, Facebook Live. Some people watch there, too. Yeah, some people watch there, too. Rumble. Twitter. Now, these guys aren't very good at healing. They're certainly not good at healing themselves. Watch. And I was preaching in a prison. And and mom and I got short of breath and I'm going through all that stuff, you know. And I I wouldn't quit. Now it never did give me pain, but I could feel this tingling across my chest here. Whoops! I don't know what happened to that. And I was preaching in the prison. And and mom and I got short of breath, and I'm going through all that stuff, you know. And I I wouldn't quit. Now it never did give me pain, but I could feel this tingling across my chest here, and I knew what it was, you know. And anyway, so and I went through all the exams and you know all that stuff. And so they they the cardiologist examined me. And he said, well, you need a pacemaker. And I said, Lord, um, I, I'm, I'm just going to believe God. I'm just going to, without that pacemaker. And, and the word of the Lord came to me and he said, no, you're too far behind the power curve now. Receive the pacemaker by faith. So I did. Uh, come again? Receive the pacemaker by faith? Well, that's totally against all of his theology. That's totally against everything he said. Isn't it? I'll take Greg Locke. Listen to him. Not this way for the most part overseas, but churches in the American culture, you know, one of the largest expenses we have in buildings, the amount of handicap parking and handicap accessibility that we have in our churches. Now, let me make you mad for a minute. And I don't really care. Why is it you pull up to a church that says they operate in faith and you have 50 handicapped parking spots? Ain't nobody laid hands on them handicapped folks yet. I don't care what Twitter says. You can get mad all you want to. Fold your arms, stick your lips out, pooch them out. I don't care. I'm so unafraid of what anybody in this tent thinks about me right now in my life. I could care less. We, we just expect that people are going to leave church the same way they came to church. Well, we ought to start having some signs out there that don't have, you know, like, like handicap accessibility, people in a wheelchair. We ought to start having signs of a wheelchair laying down and somebody just walking up. Well, why don't you start doing it, Greg? Where is it? 
Where is all your miracles of people that are in wheelchairs? You got hospitals everywhere. Get your butt over there and start clearing them out, big boy. Why don't you put your money where your mouth is? They're just a bunch of scammers is all they are. Because he's a liar. He's nothing but a phony liar is all he is. Just like his his buddy and his mentor that he's getting more devils from is his pal, the, the witch doctor, the sorcerer right here. Jesus is still in the healing business. There's one, two, three. Nobody gets the faithful out of their wheelchairs these days any faster than Benny Hinn. And when Pastor Benny comes to town, no civic center is big enough. God is just healed her. Healed her of what, Pastor? Polio. This woman who said she had polio and would never walk again, she and her friends say she just climbed out of her wheelchair and walked? It's a miracle. It's unbelievable. Pastor Benny knows it's great TV, but does he know, does he care if these healings are genuine? Anybody could make up anything. Someday somebody's going to do that. And what are you going to say then? I don't know. I can't tell you now. <laughs> it hasn't happened yet. Oh, yes, it has. Remember that woman supposedly cured of polio? Pastor Benny knows it made for a great episode of his TV show. He knows it probably helped squeeze even bigger donations from his flock. But there's something he doesn't know. That woman works for us. Woman doesn't have polio, never did. Then why did she say she had? We put her up there to see if he could tell her story was not true. To see if it would matter. To see if he would ever check. So, Benny, is it faith or is it fraud? I'm still a human being like you. Made many mistakes. Big ones. And will still make mistakes. But I really want to do better. I really want to. What a lying fake. What a lying fake. He did the exact same thing. The exact same thing that Catherine Kuhlman did, which I'm going to show you today. I'm going to show you the exact same thing that Catherine Kuhlman did, who gave him his anointing, right? And show you that he's a big fake. He's, they all are. It's, it's what they do, friend. I put this up on the screen for you so we can read it together here. So you can get a good idea of this, and it'll show you. These people are fake. I'm going to show you the history of phony healers, fake healers, Satan's little sorcerers. Documented evidence from people that these guys are a bunch of fakes. They're claiming, just because the New Testament tells us of these things does not mean under any circumstances that what these guys are doing is the same thing. Doesn't mean it at all.
Greg Locke being uh, the newest Decepticon, right? Greg Locke being the newest crook. Okay. Oh, yeah. Now this book that you can you can get this from wayoflife.org. Got some great information in it. I am not the originator of this information. It's quite all right. Okay. I like borrowing men's brains and using their research. Why? Because it would take me years and hours upon hours of extra time, not just to read through the stuff that I do, but to go through those things. And to be able to gather that for you. And I'd be a fool not to use what God has provided for me. So. Let's talk about William Bronham. One of the biggest names in the movement was William Bronham. A Baptist turned Jesus only Pentecostal. What is he? He's a sorcerer. Little witch. Okay. Bronham conducted healing crusades throughout the world and is and was one of the fathers of the modern healing movement. The Dictionary of Pentecostal and Charismatic Movement says the person universally acknowledged as the revival's father and pace setter was William Bronham. The sudden appearance of his miraculous healing campaigns in 1946 set off a spiritual explosion in the Pentecostal movement that was moved to Main Street. You know, Bronham, he lurched from one unscriptural view to another. He adopted oneness or Jesus-only theology. He denied the Trinity, saying Trinitarianism is of the devil. I tell you that, thus saith the Lord, he says. Well, why don't you read it in the Bible? Bronham held that the nature of Eve's sin was a sexual relationship with the serpent and that Cain was the product of this relationship. The Satan seed doctrine. He said, here's what actually happened in the Garden of Eden. The word says that Eve was beguiled by the serpent. She was actually seduced by the serpent. He was as close to being a human that his seed could and did mingle with that of the woman and cause her to conceive. What a liar. God's word never says that. Bronham promoted the manifest sons of God doctrine, 
that God would raise up end times apostles and they would perform great miracles and become immortalized prior to Christ's return. We'll talk about them devils a little bit later on. We ain't got time for that today. Of course, the 1970s are long past and America has yet to enter a war that has blown it to bits. We're working on it, though. Branham operated a gift of soothsaying. Reading personal details of the lives of strangers and of people attending his meetings. He would name their names and describe past events and secret sins. This gift did much to further the, the growing Bronham legend. Bronham claimed to have a personal angel that directed every aspect of his life and ministry. And he gave credit to this angel for the power he exercised. I believe he had one too, a fallen one. I believe the man had devils. I believe these guys play around with devils. That's why they're so deceived that they can preach something. They're up there preaching something to people. They look at them and they preach to them. About health and wealth. And what do they do? They get pacemakers. What do you need one of those for? When you just, you're supposed to be able to tap somebody on their forehead and they're supposed to stand right up. What do you need one of those for? They're deceived. They're devil-possessed. So Bronham claimed to have a personal angel that directed every aspect of his life and ministry. And he gave credit to this angel for the power he exercised. The angel spoke to William Bronham saying, Fear not, I am set from the presence of Almighty God to tell you that your particular life and your misunderstood ways have been to indicate that God has sent you to take a gift of divine healing to the people of the world. If you will be sincere and can get the people to believe you, nothing shall stand before your prayer, not even cancer. Bunch of liars. Bronham described the angel as a well-built man with dark hair and folded arms. The angel supposedly stood next to Bronham, and what the angel said, he had to obey. So think about this way. I'm commanded to obey the scriptures. I'm commanded to follow the word of God. William Bronham is commanded to follow an angel.
an angel that speaks to him and tells him what he's supposed to believe and what he's supposed to follow and what he's supposed to do. So he doesn't have the more sure word of prophecy. Paul said in Galatians chapter 1, I marvel that ye are so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ and to another gospel, which is not another, but there be some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. But though we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. As we said before, so say I now again, if any man preach any other gospel, Unto you, than that ye have received, let him be accursed. One evening, just before a meeting, Bronham told his interpreter, Don't stand to the right of me, because my angel stands there. Branham said that the angel was with him day and night. And without him, he had no authority in his preaching. In fact, he could not even make his own decisions in his private life. Branham was always told by the angel whom to heal and whom not to heal. Once an interpreter asked Branham, do you think your power to heal people comes from the Holy Spirit? Branham replied, no. My angel does it. End quote. So, in other words, he basically admits that his power doesn't come from the Holy Spirit, it comes from an angel. My angel. It's the devil. It comes from a fallen angel. Bronham claimed that the angel taught him how to detect diseases by vibrations on his left hand. When the afflicting spirit comes into contact with the gift, it sets up such a physical commotion that it becomes visible on Brother Bronham's hand and so real that it will stop his wrists. Watch instantly. This feels to Brother Bronham like taking hold of a live wire with too much electric current in it. Now, Kirk, Kurt Cook was a Christian author on occultism and spiritual deception. I have some of his books on demonism and some other things. He wrote on this. He said this. Years ago, Bronham told his interpreter, Pastor Ruff, if my angel does not give the sign, I cannot heal. Ruff noticed the several features of spiritism in the work of Bronham and therefore stopped working with him. 
These angels of whom Harry Edwards Bronham spoke are evil spirits masquerading as angels of light. As in many areas of the occult, we are here reminded again that the devil appears as an angel of light. Another evidence is the fact that neither Edwards nor Bronham were able to perform cures when faced with born-again Christians who had committed themselves to the protection of Christ. In the case of Bronham, I have experienced this myself, he said. When he spoke in Karlsruhe and Lusain, there were several believers among the audience, including myself, who prayed along these lines. Lord, if this man's powers are from you, then bless and use him. But if the healing gifts are not from you, then hinder him. What was the result? On both occasions, Broadham said from the platform, there are disturbing powers here. I can do nothing. What was he? A witch. Alfred Pohl worked in in, uh, a Pentecostal denomination in Canada and worked in one of Bronham's crusades in Saskatoon, Saskatchewan. In the late 1940s, Pohl was right by Bronham's side during the meetings and was with Bronham when he prayed over the bedridden cases, cases following the evening healing services. Pohl made the following statements about this crusade in an interview. With David Cloud. He said this. Did many, uh, David Cloud asked him, did many claim to be healed or did it seem that many were healed in the meeting? Paul responded, ah, yes. There were those that claimed to be healed and there were those that thought they saw healings or thought they saw miracles. But when you were on the inside, you saw that some of those things that were supposed to be miracles were not miracles at all. From the outside, you would think that something had really b- happened. But having been right close to Branham and working right with him, I discovered that a lot of those supposed healings of miracles, really not miracles after all. As you took Branham through the dorm where the worst bedridden cases were housed, he prayed for different individuals. What did he say during those encounters? Well, one of the things he did was to take the hand of the person and quite often I heard him say that the angel that gave him his gift told him to identify certain diseases and he could speak of cancer very much. There are vibrations that he felt on the hand that indicate that this person has cancer. So he would take the patient's hand and hold it. He would say, yes, the vibrations tell me that you have cancer. Then he'd say something like, we're going to pray for you, that the Lord will heal you. He proceeded to do this. Then he went on, and when he was through praying, he would take that hand, or else he would hold the hand throughout the prayer, and he would say, the vibrations are gone. The cancer is dead. You are healed. And the person would rejoice, of course, so would I. I thoroughly believed in Branham. I thought he was God's man and so forth, and he went to see people healed. And we wanted to see people healed. So supposedly the cancer was dead and we were happy about this. But then he had a little added statement there. That was something like this. Just keep on trusting the Lord. You're healed. 
Don't lose your faith in the Lord. Just keep your faith and trust the Lord. You're healed, he said. You're going to be sick for a while. You're going to be quite sick for a few days. Quite often when he referred to three days, you're going to be very sick for three days. People often ask, well, what do you mean, Brother Branham? If I'm healed, why should I be sick? He said the cancer, the cancerous growth, which is now dead inside your body, has to be carried out by the bloodstream, and it is waste material. It has to be carried out. It is poison material. So you'll be sick for quite a while until it's carried away. But what happened then was this, that in the meantime, the people wouldn't worry about it. They'd say, well, that's what Branham said would happen. I'm healed, but this went on until some of these people got sicker and sicker died so he had an out by this time he was gone from that place so were there many that he proclaimed healed yes yes Paul said practically everyone as i recall standing beside these various bedsides practically everyone was pronounced healed but the tragedy is that so many of those died after Branham was gone so there was something wrong he also said don't let your faith fail in other words he emphasized that point don't let your faith fail and his out was this. I'm sure that when they died, well, their faith failed. It wasn't his faith. It was their faith. In other words, it was the patient's faith. Which I don't see in Scripture. When the Lord healed people, they were healed. There wasn't such a thing as you'll be sick for five days or three days, and so don't lose your faith. I don't see that in Scripture. So there was a newspaper that would investigate these healings, right? Branham came to Canada at that time. He preached at a number of apostolic churches in Canada. The first church was the church of our moderator in Winnipeg. Brought him into Canada, and Mr. Branham had his campaign there. We won't go on to read everything. When the pastor saw, pastor of the church saw these reports in the paper, he went to the editor rather disturbed, not very happy about the situation, confronted the editor. Why do you do this to our church? You're hurting. See, because the news reporter, what they do? They just reported, hey, man, these people aren't healed. And the editor said words to this effect. Well, pastor, if the healings are genuine, you don't have to worry, do you? I thought to myself later on when I heard this, well, that editor certainly had a lot, in co- a lot of common sense. Because if they're genuine, why worry? If they're not, well, then they should be exposed. This is what the paper did. And the editor said, Pastor, we gave you good coverage when Mr. Bronham was here. The pastor had to admit that they did. Now, he said, we owe it to our people to give them the rest of the story. And he said, that's what we found. He said to the pastor, I'll tell you what I'll do. If you can bring me one genuine case of genuine healing, I'll give you the front page. And I was told right in that pastor's home that he couldn't find one. Not one, said David Cloud. Not one. Couldn't find any. Brought him. They brought him in room for room. We brought him into her room. There was a pastor's wife that was supposed to be healed, and the husband was there too. Branham prayed for her and pronounced her healed. Well, there was great rejoicing on the part of all of us. We really were rejoicing that the Lord had healed this woman. We were rejoicing for the sake of the whole family. He had given them this story, of course, that she's still going to be sick, though she's healed. 
She's going to feel pretty bad. So they flew back as soon as they could. Right? They wouldn't stay around. We didn't have the facilities to take care of sick people there. It was just a dormitory. So they went back as soon as they could. About 10 to 14 days later in that time frame, I was sitting in the office in the Bible school. Bronham was gone. The meetings were over. The door opened to the main building. And I could hear footsteps. Then a knock on the office door. In came this gentleman. Of course, I recognized him immediately. But I saw that his face was very downcast. He was really under pressure and heavy burdened. So I invited him to sit down. And I said, brother, I said, what's on your heart? And he said, brother Paul, you were standing beside my wife when she was sick in one of the rooms in the dorm. Mr. Bronham prayed for her and he pronounced her healed. I said, yes, I was right there. He said, tell me, how is it that my wife, who was healed 10 days ago, somewhere in, the, in that time frame, is now in the grave? He said, tell me how that can be. Well, it hit me really hard. It hit, me, it hit him really hard, and it hit me hard, too, because that's the first I had heard that she had died. We hadn't heard that she had died. So here he was broken up, all broken up, and he wanted an explanation. What could I tell him? I think that's one of the hardest questions I ever had to answer in my life. Why is she dead if she was healed? And I was a witness. He couldn't figure this out. A very fine Christian I felt for him. To this day, I don't know what I said, but I know we wept together. We prayed together. I could have said this, brother, your faith failed. Your wife's faith failed. But help. But what help would I have been to him? I mean, that's a terrible thing to do. I wouldn't dare say that to him, to anyone. He was broken. He had enough to burden him down at this stage without saying your faith failed you. That was the wrong thing to say, so I didn't say it. I could have said that because that's the feelings behind a lot of these cases. The healer will say, well, your faith failed. It's not my fault. But I don't see that as the case in Scripture either, where faiths, where people's faith failed and they lost their healing after God healed or the Lord healed them or the apostles healed them, so it's ridiculous. See something. Second. Find this. Let's see if I can. Here it is. Reminds me of this reminds me of this right here. That's him going through you right now. <clears throat> yes, it is. Yes, it is. Glory to God. You're not bound to this chair. The day will come, you'll walk out of it. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. 
Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Now then, you guys, just help him up. Help him up. Power of God's all over him. He's not hurt. He's not hurt. Praise the God. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord God. Praise the Lord God. Praise the Lord God. Oh, I like the color of that mask there. <laughs> okay, now think about this for a second. Uh, hi, Ab Abdel. 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 You're doing well. I think I pronounced your name right. I'm sorry if I did. Um, Kenneth Copeland pushes this guy over, right? Pushes this guy over and... Well, why isn't this guy, why isn't this guy walking? Right? Why, why isn't he walking? If this, if, if they're healers, right? If they're healers, then why isn't this guy walking? He should be, shouldn't he? Right. I am convinced that Bronham's healing powers were occultic. The voices that tormented him, the vibrations and swellings in his hands, the lights that followed him, the fiery balls that supposedly danced about the room during some of his healing crusades, the complete exhaustion he experienced after his meetings, all of this is evidence of the occult. Right? All of it is. Evidences of demonic oppression, right? Or demonic possession, because I don't think the guy was saved. The visitations frightened and confused Bronham so much that he told his wife he hated them and that he was going to renounce them, though he always drew back from the, taking that step. Men of God tried to warn him. In fact, even fortune tellers recognize his occultic powers. Listen to this. What made me more scared than ever? Every time I met a fortune teller, they would recognize something had happened. And that would just, it just nearly killed me. For instance, one day my cousins and I was going down through a carnival ground and he was, and, and we was just boys walking along. So there was a little old fortune teller sitting out there in one of those tents. She said, say, you come here a minute. And the three of us boys turned around and she said, you with the striped sweater. That was me. And I walked up. I said, yes, ma'am. What can I do for you? And she said, say, did you know there's a light that follows you? You were born under a certain sign. End quote. Bronham described other instances in which soothsayers told him similar things. It's too bad that Bronham did not listen to the wise voices of godly preachers that warned him that the visitations were demonic. 
It's too bad that Bronham did not listen to his own fears and his own conscience that caused him to want to escape the visitations. It's too bad that Bronham did not listen to the Bible. Instead, he allowed deceiving demonic powers to control his life. He, in turn, led multitudes of others into all sorts of error and confusion. The entire charismatic movement is built on these guys. Their power to heal and what they do is built on the legacy of these men. Bronham's followers accepted him as the apostle and prophet of the final church age. And when he died on December 24th, 1965, from injuries sustained in an automobile crash, he was expected to rise from the dead in three days. Five days later, they finally buried him. Bronhamite meetings continue in some parts of the United States, Canada, and Britain. I've been told that at some Bronhamite services, an empty chair is placed in a prominent place for Bronham. To this date, though, he is still in the grave. In spite of, the, of his many unscriptural doctrines and the bogus healings, William Bronham has had wide influence among Pentecostals. He was long supported by Demos Chakarian, founder of the Full Gospel Business Men's Fellowship International. Chakarian wrote, Reverend Bronham often made the statement that the only fellowship to which he belonged was the FGBMFI. Often when he called upon to speak at various conventions, and chapter meetings, he has traveled long distances to keep those engagements. His spirit of service is an inspiration. He's a witch. He is an antichrist witch. Here's William Bronham. He just looks possessed. The guy looks possessed. He looks like he's got devils like coming out of his nose. The man was tormented by satanic visitors. He had satanic visitors. That's what they were. He had devils visit him, give him certain powers to do what he did. And this is the backs of what the charismatic movement. You'll never convince me that these people aren't witches and sorcerers. They are the modern day sorcerers. They have the money. They have the notoriety. They have the deception. They have the false and phony power from the devil. Their history goes back to the mystics of Rome, the mother of harlots. Others influenced by Bronham include Oral Roberts, T.L. Osborne, Jack Coe, A.A. Allen, Kenneth Hagen, Kenneth Copeland, Catherine Kuhlman, Paul Kane, Earl Polk, Marilyn Hickey, Benny Hinn. I 
I don't even know who A.A. Allen was. Famous Pentecostal healing evangelist. Miracle Magazine was filled with incredible claims, such as the cure of a woman who allegedly shed 200 pounds instantly during one of his healing services. That's a great way for weight loss, man. Just show up to a meeting and bam, you drop 200 pounds. It casts out that demon of chubby. That demon fat, fat, fatty came popping out. Many of his books promised prosperity. In one story often related by Alan, he was praying for the money to pay a $410 printing bill when the dollar bills in his pocket were instantly changed to 20s. Okay, Scrooge McDuck. His vast evangelistic empire took in about $3.5 million annually, a massive amount of money for the time. And he built his own 2,400-acre community in Arizona called Miracle Valley. Allen was arrested for drunk driving during a revival in 1955 and then fled bail and refused to face his crimes. In typical charismatic fashion, he divorced his wife in 1967 in spite of the fact that she had stood by him during the many troubles he had brought upon himself. Three years later, he died alone in a cheap motel in San Francisco. Hotel California, huh? While his team was conducting a healing crusade in West Virginia. He was 59 years old and he had destroyed his liver with his drunkenness. Ah! That worked out well. W.V. Grant, Pentecostal healing evangelist, was jailed for tax fraud and divorced his wife. Jack Coe, famous Pentecostal healing evangelist. Jack Coe's ministry was also characterized by false teaching and outrageous claims. He taught that to consult physicians was associated with the mark of the beast. February 1956, at a healing crusade in Miami, Florida, Coe laid hands on a little boy who was stricken with polio. The boy's mother, Ann Clark, was told by Coe, you believe Jesus heals the child, take the braces off and leave them off. She immediately removed the braces from the boy's feeble legs. But as he attempted to take a step, he collapsed to the floor. Believing the false teaching that God had promised her boy's healing through faith, Mrs. Clark determined not to put the braces back on. Soon, though, the boy's legs began to swell, and she took him to a doctor who ordered that the braces be put back on. Her letter to Jack Coe seeking his counsel was ignored. Mrs. Clark's sad experience reminds us that Pentecostal movement is strewn with this type of heartache because of its promises, things that God has not promised. Though he taught that healing was guaranteed in the atonement and warned his followers against using medicine and consulting physicians, Coe went to the hospital when he fell ill with polio only a few months after the aforementioned case. He succumbed to this disease a few weeks later, and it would be difficult not to see the hand of God in such a remarkable coincidence. After Coe's death, his widow published a series of articles exposing the fraud of key healing evangelists. 
So he gave that woman a false hope that her boy would be healed from polio. And God struck him with polio and he died. You don't play around with God. Uh, he talks about Jamaica and Africa. Charles Price. Let's skip over to Catherine Cool. Okay. Another of the famous Pentecostal healing evangelists was Catherine Cool. While pastoring the 2000 seat Denver Revival Tabernacle in the mid 1930s, Kuhlman became romantically involved with married evangelist Burroughs Waltrip. Hey! Benny Hinn got that anointing from Catherine Kuhlman. So old Catherine Kuhlman gave him the mojo and he turned into a pervert too. You got to get the anointing from these anointers and then you can, then you, then you too can be a pervert. You too can be a fornicator and a pervert and steal somebody's husband. Hey, that's what Greg Locke did. Stole somebody's wife or left his wife and that witch that he got with stole her stole him from his wife oh yeah you just got to get the noitner and then you can go fornicate like a bunch of dogs Another famous of the Pentecostal healing evangelist was Catherine Kuhlman. While pastoring, well, that's a kind of an oxymoron, isn't it? A woman can't pastor. No, she really can't. While pastoring the 2,000-seat Denver Revival Tabernacle in the mid-1930s, Kuhlman became romantically involved with married evangelist Burroughs Waltrip who subsequently left his wife and two children and married her. Yeah, I mean, marry the preacher, right? In other words, you got some crazy psychopath preacher chick. I'll show you her. What a stinking nut. One of the strangest experiences I had a few years ago visiting Amy's tomb in California. This Thursday, I'm on TBN. Friday, I'm going to go and visit Catherine Kuhlman's tomb. It's close by Amy's in Forest Lawn Cemetery. I've been there once already, and every so often I like to go and pay my respects because this great woman of God has touched my life. And the grave uh, where she's buried is closed. They built walls around it you can't get in without a key and i'm one of the very few people who can get in well, this this weirdo he got the anointing man right he got the freaky creepy anointing what will you do with the holy spirit oh that's benny doing For no one in the whole world is as hungry for more than the one who's speaking this morning. If only these young people could know it. 
for just a few nothing uh. else really matters i do my oh that woman makes my skin crawl ah! She makes my skin crawl, man. Ugh, ugh, ugh. Look at her, looking like the female pope. Happened. Glory, I know the power of the Holy Ghost is on this. Is there no pain there? Move it up and down. Move it up and down. And as Paul was going on the road to Damascus, ugh. Something happened, something glorious happened. Suddenly he was slain by the power of the Holy Ghost and he found himself prostrate on the ground. Some of you may have walked on the very same spot with the Holy Spirit. Put, put, put it up now. Swing that arm now just as hard as you can. Put, your, put, put it up now. I don't know. Put, your, put, put, put it up now. Swing that arm now, just as hard as you can. Give her a great big God bless In the car wreck, I had a broken back and a broken neck and a broken leg. This, how, long, how long ago was this that? This was in 1968. And what has happened since? And since my neck and my, my spine down into my arm, and I lost all the power in this arm to where I have only five eyes. So not this is an hour of restoration. This is not a day of revival. He's restoring the fruit table that sat on your feet. <laughs> Jesus healed me in a moment. And, uh, and now what? No pain. I'm complaining. I don't know where you are in the great auditorium. Hold your ear tightly closed. Hold your good ear tightly closed and somebody can hear everything that I say. An ear has just been opened. And the person hears me perfectly wherever you are. Come on up and, 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 and tell me where you are. What is this over here? Tell, doctor. Go, go on. Tell this. This gentleman tells me that he's had a heart condition for over five years. And that before this, he couldn't walk up and down stairs. He's just been out in the back running up and down. And he's not getting <laughs> shorter breath. Are you okay? I tried running. Okay, so this woman is like, yeah, like skin crawl. Okay, while pastoring the 2,000-seat Denver Revival Tabernacle in the mid-1930s, Kuhlman became romantically involved with married evangelist Burroughs Waltrip, who subsequently left his wife and two children and married and married her. Kuhlman and Waltrip were romantically involved for two or three years prior to their marriage. In the summer of 1935, two years prior to his June 19, 1937 divorce, Waltrip and Kuhlman were caught hugging and kissing in the church office. The two were married in October of 1938, a few years after her illicit marriage. Kuhlman left Waltrip claiming that God had given her a choice between her love for a man and her love for God. So she left him too. Waltrip's first wife was left alone to raise their two sons and to pay off their, her husband's debts. He never returned to visit them and failed even to send the corrupt appointed child support payments. Even Kuhlman's sympathetic Pentecostal biographer, the late Jamie Buckingham, could not hide Kuhlman's inordinate love for expensive clothes and jewelry and her first-class lifestyle. Her evangelistic ministry took in 2 to $3 million annually, a massive sum at the time. 
Bullman's meetings were often characterized by the dangerous and unscriptural slaying in the spirit phenomenon. Many influential Pentecostal preachers, including Benny Hinn, trace their anointing to her. In Hinn's book, Good Morning, Holy Spirit, he says that the first time he encountered the Kuhlman phenomenon, he exclaimed, I've got to have this. I must have these. I want that Catherine Kuhlman. I want it. I want it. I wanted it with every atom and fiber within me. Kuhlman claimed that healing is guaranteed in the atonement and said every church should be seeing the healings of the Book of Acts. While it, alleged, while it was alleged that documented healings took place in Kuhlman's meetings, they were not very many, certainly no more than the healings that are experienced by Christians who believe sign gifts have ceased and who simply pray for healing, trusting God to do his perfect will. A reporter who covered a Kuhlman healing crusade in Pittsburgh's Carnegie Music Hall in 1948, testified this. For everyone who has proclaimed a cure, a score more have faded off into the darkness, as miserable and heartsick as when they came. End quote. In the book Healing, A Doctor in Search of a Miracle, Dr. William Nolan dedicated an entire chapter to his investigation of Kuhlman's healing crusades. Though sympathetic to Kuhlman as a person, Nolan was unable to document even one case of physical healing. At the time of his investigation, Nolan was chief of surgery at Meeker County Hospital in Litchfield, Minnesota. Kurt Cook, a renowned evangelical researcher in the occult, describes his examination of Catherine Coleman's healing ministry in his book of occult, ABC, ABC Exposing Occult Practices and Ideologies. He carefully followed up on a list of 28 cases of alleged healings in Minneapolis, Minnesota that were submitted to him by Kuhlman's organization as the best example of healing that had occurred under her ministry. The following is the summary of his findings. Ten had not been healed. Seven had experienced an improvement in their condition. Eleven had diseases in which the mind can play an important part. In the whole of this extensive report, there is not one clear case of healing from an organic disease. Kirk Cook, Occult ABC, Grand Rapids, Michigan, Kriegel Publishers, 1981. I think I have that book or one similar to it. I have no, I, I'm sorry, I don't. I take that back. I have his demonology book that he Kuhlman preached a positive message, refusing to expose doctrinal error or warn against drinking and other social evil. She believed that preaching a positive message would accomplish more. In her later years, Kuhlman was very ecumenical, drawing denominational diverse crowds, then urging them not to leave their churches, but to return to, to be a healing force, her biographer says Kuhlman is credited with helping to bridge gaps between Protestants and Catholics. Yes, she was working for the Pope. Yes, indeedy. She was a little Jesuit coadjutor.
On October 11th, 1975, Kuhlman had a private audience with Pope Paul VI at the Vatican. Hey! So did Benny Hinn. So did Paula White. Who became Donald Trump's chief spiritual advisor. Remember that? We come to you, Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, with grateful hearts, thanking you for this great country that you have decreed to your people. We acknowledge we are a blessed nation with a rich history of faith and fortitude, with a future that is filled with promise and purpose. We recognize that every good and every perfect gift comes from you, and the United States of America is your gift, for which we proclaim our gratitude. As a nation, we now pray for our president, Donald John Trump, Vice President Michael Richard Pence, and their families. We ask that you would bestow upon our president the wisdom necessary to lead this great nation, the grace to unify us, and the strength to stand for what is honorable and right in your sight. In Proverbs 21.1, you instruct us that our leader's heart is in your hands. Gracious God. Okay, so there you go, Paula reveal- White. Whoops. Paula White is his pastor, right? Uh, he has a Jezebel for a pastor that's working for the Pope. Right? Paula White and Benny Hinn hook up. They're in Rome. They're in the Vatican. Right? So that's Trump's pastor, right? Huh. Okay, that's weird, huh? Yeah. Kuhlman saw the Pope, had a private audience with the Pope. Benny and Paula had a private audience with the Pope. On October 11th, 1975, Kuhlman had a private audience with Pope Paul VI at the Vatican. 
which she described in these words. When I met the Pope, there was a oneness. He had an interpreter there, but we did not need him. And the Pope did such a beautiful thing. When I walked forward, he recognized me as a person who loves God, who has an understanding of the spiritual. And he stood and just reached out both hands and took my hands in his and said, you're doing an admirable job. You not only have my blessing, you have my prayers. The Pope gave her his blessing. Right? Okay, there you go. I don't think any of those people are trannies. I don't I don't think they're trannies. I absolutely don't. I think they're real women that uh, are witches that have been abused and when they've been abused like that and they're 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 they practice witchcraft, they turn that out and uh Satan uses them. But anyway, what That year at the full gospel businessmen's fellowship world convention in Anaheim, California, Kuhlman said this, I want you to know that Pope Paul would have fit in very well with this great worldwide convention of the FGBMFI. He would have understood everything that was happening. He would have understood this is part of God's great plan. Wow. And lastly, here today, we'll cover Oral Ripoff. Oral Roberts is another of the prominent Pentecostal healing evangelists, is one of those pioneers of faith healing movement. His influence cannot be measured. Roberts taught that sickness is not God's will. For the knowledge of the truth, he said this, for the knowledge of the truth, look toward Jesus of Nazareth, who himself took our infirmities and bare our sicknesses. If Jesus took our sicknesses, we need not bear them any longer. Sickness is part of the curse, and Jesus came to destroy the curse. He suffered in our stead because he did not want us to suffer disease. He took our specific diseases and infirmities upon his own sinless, perfect body and complete payment for the penalty of sin. I know it is God's highest wish for you to be in health. Sickness is not part of God's plan and not devised by God's will. During the heyday of his healing crusades, Roberts claimed to be able to discern the demons of illness through his right hand. He said the power of God flowed like a current of electricity through him 
at times feeling as if liquid fire was surging through his arm. A 1949 issue of his magazine, Healing Waters, described the visit of William Bronham to a Robert's Healing Crusade in Tampa. Both had heard the voice of God. Both felt the healing power in their hands. Brother Bronham in his left through vibrations and Brother Roberts in his right with power to detect the presence, names, and numbers of demons. Oh, that sounds like... Uh... You know what that sounds like? Check this out. We got first and last names of six witches that are in our church. And you know what's strange? Three of you are in this room right now. Three of you in the room right now. You better look in my eyeballs. We ain't afraid of you, you stinking witch. You devil-worshiping Satanist witch. We cast you out in the name of Jesus Christ. We break your spells. We break your curse. We got your first name. We got your last name. We even got an address for one of you. You so much as cough wrong, and I'll expose you in front of everybody in this tent, you stinking witch. You were sent to this church to destroy us. You were sent to this church to lure us in. You were sent to this church to cast... On another note, do you think this guy watches way too many movies? Spell, listen, some of you been sick because you befriended that witch. Two of you in my wife's latest Bible study, and you know who you are, and we're going to ask you to get out, or I'll expose you in front of everybody. We got all six of their names. All six of them. Two of them had already been confirmed before that thing ever even said it. First and last night, this chick is new to our church and don't know none of you. So you got a choice. You can leave with your spells all by yourself. Or I'll show up next Sunday with a stage full of brooms. And I'll give you one and I'll fly your tail up out of this place in the name of Jesus. But we ain't playing your spell casting, witchcraft, nonsense, sage burning games. Everybody okay? <laughs> Witches are like, nope. What a joke. So anyway, so this guy, right, he knows, and this demon gave him the names of all the witches in his church. You listen to demons. They talk to you, huh? So, so demons tell you things, huh? I mean, I've heard possessed people say some weird things. I don't. I've heard, I've heard them say some weird. It's true. I've seen some crazy things. Right? People that may be possessed saying some things. But I wouldn't sit there and have conversations with them. But he was. Satan can use anybody, it's true. But here's the thing you have to ask yourself, why in the world would this, would he be having full-length conversation?
Why are there why are there so many witches in his church? And you're right. Roberts claimed that uh, that he felt a manifestation of God's presence in his right hand, which supplied a point of contact between the believer and the healing power of God, giving him an assurance that resulted in the healing of thousands of people. Yet Roberts' healing ministry was examined by faithful men of God and was proven bogus. Probably the most damaging religious attack on oral ever published appears in the Presbyterian Outlook in 1955. The article written by Carol Stiegel Jr., pastor of the Prior Street Presbyterian Church in Atlanta, Georgia, was later published in a widely circulated tract. It was Stiegel's tract, which preceded oral, oral to Australian fanned opposition to him. Stiegel's curiosity was piqued by the March 1952 issue of Healing Waters, which featured a cover great medical doctors congratulating Oral Roberts. Stiegel and Donald Gray Barnhouse noted conservative Presbyterian pastor in Philadelphia addressed an inquiry the American Medical Association that brought the answer from their Bureau of Investigation that not one of the men mentioned could be identified as doctors of medicine. One of the three men was found operating in Phoenix as a naturopathic physician, meaning he was not a licensed doctor. He organized no organization headed by Dr. J.H. Miller out outstanding medical doctor and president of a medical society of over 20,000 physicians was ever discussed. Stiegel later attended a number of campaigns, interviewed Oral, and did some follow-up interviews with those who had passed through the healing line. I've never seen a vestige of change. I challenge any honest investigator to follow my technique and see whether his findings do not agree with mine, Stiegel concluded. So far from glorifying God with this, they, the healing evangelist, cause his name to be blasphemed by the world by their excess, so far from curing, they often kill. Far from blessing, their arrival in a city in a rather is a curse, a misery, a racket, and a destruction. John Kobler interviewed two individuals recommended him by Roberts as the most striking instances of cures and reported that while both believed themselves healed, one had never visited a, a doctor and the other had subsequently undergone surgery to remove cancer. W.E. Mann reported that a Toronto Canadian physician had examined 30 persons who passed through Oral's healing line and found no case of healing. That could not be explained in terms of psychological shock or straight hysteria. Further evidence of the lack of curative power in Robert's ministry lies in the disasters that have occurred during his healing campaign. But save for the debacle in Australia, no single evening in Oral Roberts's crusading career left deeper memories than the evening of Sunday, September 10th, 1950 in Amarillo, Texas. On Sunday evening, September 10th, the tent was once again filled to its capacity, about 7,000. 400 people had just answered the altar call when a rumbling, hail-filled thunderstorm suddenly engulfed the tent. As the crowd sang when the saints go marching in, the light suddenly faded out and the tent lifted toward the sky like a kite. Pulling the huge aluminum poles aloft, the tent then began to rip and settled slowly down on the audience. By midnight, news reports confirmed that about 50 people had been hospitalized. This event would not be strange except for the claims that Roberts made about healing. Though Roberts was present and prayed for some of the cases, 
All those injured in the disaster were carried to hospitals and healed by doctors rather than by faith healing. In 1951, an Alabama businessman died while attending a Roberts campaign in Atlanta. In 1955, the death of an elderly Indian, Jonas Ryder, during Oral's campaign in Calgary, Canada, occurred. According to the local press, in the evangelist tent surrounded by converts and followers of the cult, the following January, Mary Ida Buddington Vondersher, who had appeared the year before on Oral's television program in The Healing Line, returned to testify of her healing of cancer. But she died in her home in California only 12 hours after her testimony was aired. The year 1959 was particularly beset by tragedies. In January, a 64-year-old California man died of a heart attack during a campaign in Oakland Auditorium. Then in May, death struck twice at a campaign in Fayetteville, North Carolina. First, a three-year-old girl died under the tent in her parents' arms while waiting for the service to begin. The next evening, an elderly Indian woman died on her way to the campaign, causing a local physician to issue a warning against moving critically ill patients to a faith healer. Finally, in July 1959, in a case which seemed to pose the most serious ethical questions about religious healing, a woman threw away her insulin in the belief that she had been healed in a Roberts campaign, and she died in a Detroit hospital. Not only was Roberts unable to heal strangers, he was unable to heal himself and his own family. In 1984, his 10th grandchild, the one that was named after him, died two days after birth in spite of the flurry of prayers of faith that were sent up by a slew of word faith practitioners. In October of 1992 and again in February of 99, Oral was hospitalized with heart attacks. The one in 92 occurred only two hours after Paul Crouch healed Oral of chest pains on the TBN broadcast. And we're not gloating about these, says David Cloud. The reason we report these things is that Oral Roberts claimed that physical healing is guaranteed in the atonement and that the apostolic sign gifts are operative today. The claims must be taken seriously. If physical healing in this life is guaranteed by faith, if special healing belongs to Christians today, the apostolic sign gifts are operative, and if God's will wills that Christians be healthy and prosperous, it will be evident. These people have the same problems as any other Christians, the same sicknesses, the same afflictions, the same financial difficulties as Christians who, not, who do not believe in Pentecostal doctrine. Oral Roberts' prophecies proved bogus as well. well those talking about faith. So there you have it, the fathers of the faith movement and now these modern-day charlatans like Greg Locke that are here today Right? These modern-day charlatans that are here today are not healing anyone. They're liars and phonies, and they're deceiving others. Scriptures are very clear that the sign gifts were for a reason. Jews were present for a simple reason, that it was going to be done. It was done. Now we have the Word of God.
want me to play which song does he want to hear gotta let me know so i can figure out which one it is or which one i can put up there find it here you gotta let me know which song do you want Dell wants a song so you tell me which one it is and then i can i gotta get out of here pretty soon so let's see Oh, I forgot about that thing Daryl made. I gotta find that. Hold on. This is that is play the song. Oh yes, I remember a poor deluded professor who used to sing me this song. Billions and billions of years ago, a blob climbed out of the sea. He looked at the sky and yelled, I'd like to fly, and poof, he sprouted some wings. He climbed up a tree to the very tip top. He jumped off a limb and he hit with a plop. He broke both his legs, so he started to hop. Ribbit, ribbit. Billions and billions of years ago. We know it's absurd and it doesn't make sense, but we can explain if you give us a chance. We know it's not science, but we're really sincere. And it sure seems to help to add billions of years. And billions of years ago, a frog went out for a stroll. The froggy went purr, I could show you some fur, and poof, hair started to grow. It grew on his hands and his little webbed feet. It grew on his head and it really looked neat. He thought, I'm a monkey, I'll swing from a tree. <laughs> billions and billions of years ago. <laughs> Sing it, class. We know it's absurd and it doesn't make sense. But we can explain if you give us a chance. We know it's not science, but we're really sincere. We're really sincere. 
this show seems to help to add millions of years. Now, class, listen carefully. Oh, this is the best part. Oh, you're going to love this. Now, listen. <laughs> and billions of years ago a monkey sat on a rock he said with a wink I'm a genius I think and oof he started to talk oh yes he did the problems of math he could now understand he made a trumpet and he started a band. He changed from a monkey right into a man. Billions and billions of years ago. We know it's absurd and it doesn't, doesn't make sense. sense. But we can explain if you give us a chance. We know it's not science, but we're really sincere. And it sure seems to help to add billions of years. It sure seems to help to add billions of years. Billions and billions of years ago. Wow, Andrea, you are late getting in here. Anyway, all right, everybody. Well, God bless you all. And uh, I don't know if I'll do a broadcast on Wednesday. Um, we'll see how much work I get done tomorrow. I, we got to prepare our house and all that stuff for visitors and all that for Thursday. Uh, so Sunday or Wednesday night, we will not be broadcasting the sermon. Uh, because we're having the Lord's Supper, and uh, we are having a uh, sermon and uh, supper Baptist members, so we will not have that line. But uh, and I, I'm just not sure yet. I don't know if I'll do a broadcast tomorrow. Or, I mean Wednesday afternoon. We'll see. We'll see what happens. We'll see how much work I get done on Tuesday and. Okay, um, but I, I more than likely, I think I'm gonna. I think I will do one on on Wednesday because I think I can get most of the work done. I got to get done on Tuesday, so Tuesday afternoon, because I'm done with my sermon for Wednesday already. Um, so I'll probably do something Wednesday. Probably will. Okay, so, um. I, I more than likely I'll probably have something. Okay, we'll probably do a broadcast. Okay, so pray for us. Okay, pray for our ministry. Pray for the Lord to continue to bless us. If I don't see you again here until Thanksgiving, have a happy Thanksgiving. Be thankful to the Lord. Count your many blessings and uh, exercise thankfulness always to God, but especially now. Exercise that thankfulness. Uh, if you'd like to give to our ministry, you may do so by 
clicking on our website, oldpathsbaptistchurch.org. Scroll down to the giving, PayPal, Venmo, Apple Pay. If you click on any of those, it'll take you there. Um, or you can go directly to PayPal, salvationpreacher at gmail.com. Uh, or you can mail us something at the bottom of the screen here. Is uh, 1030 South Highway 3, Northfield, Minnesota, 55047. Okay? All right. All right, everybody. God bless you. I'm going to get out of here. Take care. Have a good night. And Lord willing, we'll see you on Wednesday.